0: you had had your, your way and we had re- we had rescheduled this episode for 10 a.m. on a Sunday, I imagine the cold open would just be would be legitimately cold open because we wouldn't know what to say because we'd just be banging our heads against the table. <laughs> I would have been pained groaning. I would have been fine. I, I watched the entirety of the first season
1: of The Sopranos with my girlfriend yesterday. It was great. Oh, look the look whole you. thing. The whole thing. 100% of the first season of The Sopranos. That is uh,
2: impressive. I've gained,
1: a, I've gained an entirely new admiration for Carmela, largely based on... I never noticed Carmela's uh, clothes before, but um, my my girlfriend has been, who shall remain nameless, has been pointing them out to me now, saying she's wearing a teal blue two piece suede suit with a vest on
3: top. She's
0: incredible. <laughs> I watched two episodes of the, of what will be referred to as the Depression anime that everybody's watched uh, because I haven't seen it since I was seventeen. What, Evangelion. Evangelion. Yeah, I haven't. I. i, I so you're talking brother, about Bojack Horseman. I mean that that yes, it is it is a kind of anime in its own right. Uh, yeah, my my brother uh, I would describe as Weeaboo Icarus. Um, he loved Japanese culture so much that he moved to Japan and went completely insane. Um, but he was into it when he was a college student, and back in those days, if I remember correctly, you could only get like fan subs of it. So I've I've discovered it's just as weird and incomprehensible as it was in 2002. Uh, but now 9/11 doesn't have the same emotional heft.
1: Yeah, uh, I what was it? I I got my copy of Evangelion when I was a fat thirteen year old. Um I got an I got like a, a bootleg one from Hong Kong that I purchased on eBay. Um and as I recall, the subtitles were okay, but a lot of them were very, very sort of non specific. Uh so angels were referred to as angelic ones. Um And that's what I thought the the evil ones, the villains were in Evangelion until embarrassingly recently. I say embarrassing, of course, because um, the whole thing is very embarrassing. I didn't wait till it became cool on Netflix. Instead, I did some kind of bootleg Chinese self Netflix to get them for uh, myself. So anyway, I'd like to apologize to everyone. (laughs) I just think it's great
0: because, I mean, people have asked me, they said, you know what, Nate, you should review Evangelion. And I was like, okay, cool. I'll give it some thought. Maybe I'll watch it. And I realized I am going to watch 15 hours of a show about angsty teens who fight in robots.
2: Yeah if, if it wasn't for that's Twitter so I wouldn't know that this show existed at all and it, no, I same. definitely I feel incredibly resentful. I'm not even sure <laughs> I would really know what anime was if it wasn't for Twitter actually. So that's just <laughs> it's just one thing that uh, that social media site has taken from me among yeah. many. If
4: you if you only know what anime is from Twitter profile pictures you end up watching Evangelion and you're like, "Well, well, well, if <laughs> a guy who came to my mentions <laughs> to tell me to go fuck myself." <laughs> <laughs>
1: Hello and welcome back to Trash Future, the podcast about the one that you're listening to now. I'm still not going to say the intro because I've decided that's for live shows only. Speaking of live shows, you should come see us if you're in Scotland or the north of England or Northern Ireland or the south of England. Fuck it. Make it all make the journey all the way up um, at uh, the Edinburgh Fringe on the 10th of August. Uh, tickets links will be available in the description, and of course, uh, if you're in the Midlands or the South of England, or fuck it, anywhere in the UK or outside the UK, also you should come see us at Birmingham Transformed. I'm doing plugs at the very beginning of this episode, yeah. So you what can't avoid them, yeah. But also, usually because we'll have had an hour of hour of sort of joking around, the plugs at the end of the episode usually contain lots of, of hidden hidden goofs, hidden mm. hidden end goofs, goofs, and goofs and that are spoofs. just for the do- <laughs> goofs goofs boots pa- parody japes. Um, bants. Anyway, oh yes, a lot, a lot of those were, were real fiat guys doing, guys and girls rather, doing bants in, in the end, uh, which mostly just seems to be FHM level um, material about, you know, how, how, hey, wouldn't it be funny if, if women just didn't exist and, it, and the world was all guys, which seems to be the world FHM wants to create or wanted to create. It's closed now, thank goodness. Anyway, I'm Riley. You may remember me from all the other episodes of the show except the ones I wasn't on. I'm of course joined in studio by Nate on the boards.
0: Hello, it's me. Yes, um, I, I actually am only watching Evangelion because I want to bond with Hussein, my, my wayward son. I want to understand <laughs> his jokes more. And I realized that uh, already... I've signed myself up for something. I had no idea how deep it was going to go. So in a way, maybe I am his dad. We have an extremely long car ride
1: uh, ahead of us this week uh, in two legs, one to Birmingham and one to Edinburgh. So we need something
0: we can talk to Hussein about. Well, yeah, because otherwise you're just going to play techno the whole time. I'm going to do that anyway.
1: <laughs> I, I went to see uh, Paula Temple on um, Friday night and my God, it was incredible. It was so awesome. Uh, let's, let's make a Paula Temple song the outro music this time.
0: Fine. Yes.
1: Uh, and of course, we are joined by Alice in the wilds of Glasgow.
4: Yes, Rest in Power FHM, the magazine for teenage <laughs> boys who don't know that they're girls yet. <laughs>
5: uh,
4: and of course, uh, Annie
1: Kelly joins us from Norwich. Hi. Annie, how are you doing? Yeah,
2: I did notice that that was pretty much the one area of the country you didn't mention in your shout out. And um,
4: well, it's because Norwich is <laughs> like you and Graham Lenihan. So
2: yeah, yeah, we're flatmates actually.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's just. He's just uh, riding his little donkey, hold, his, holding his um, his flaming his sword, sword. holding his flaming his flaming gender sword. Yeah, well,
4: uh, and it's like the stand to, with the the original cover with the like figures fighting in the desert, but it's East Anglia or well, Norfolk, yeah. sorry.
2: <laughs> yeah, we're yeah, we're defending the women of Norwich together. That's that's our role. <laughs>
4: um.
1: So Annie, if you don't if you don't already know, and if you don't already know, then you're a goofy. Uh, Annie is a uh, writer and um, and PhD doer on anti- anti-feminism anti in the alt-right, especially online, which means she sees just some of the best posts.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm a connoisseur of racism and sexism at this point. That might be how That's- I start introducing myself, actually.
1: Yeah, just get
4: some just- business cards.
2: Yeah. Oh,
1: yeah. Ra- ra- race-
4: racist, sexist, no problem. Annie Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the Lionel Hutz thing. Racist, sexist, no problem. Um, so we've got uh, we've got a
1: couple of a couple of bits for you today Um, Milo is back from holiday but is now at the fringe and so has to be doing sort of strange comedy shows at all hours of the day Um, and Hussein is fine he's just on deadline he's going to be on the show that we're doing later today that will come out I think next Tuesday so you will get to hear from him again we promise however today we are going to discuss a couple of things the first the the second of which being um anti-feminism trad wives alt-right all that kind of fun shit um but the first of which is a delightful little article that's written by two extremely special boys uh for the atlantic which just loves to publish insane hackery sort of 50 percent of the time um where it's just like it mostly the atlantic is pretty bad like it's a it's a pretty nonsense publication it was credited with spreading like broken window theory policing which was just the intellectual scaffolding that led to massive crackdowns on on minorities and cities in the 1990s all this stuff but sometimes they just print these incredible what if flights of (laughs) fancy i cannot (laughs)
4: wait to see what a little amuse bush you have discovered for us
1: Uh, The article is entitled, We Need a New Science of Progress, (laughs) Um, and it's by Tyler Cowen and Patrick Collinson. Now, without looking at the notes, can you all please guess for me what you think Tyler Cowen and Patrick Collinson do? I never look at the notes.
0: They work at the Tony Blair Yasha Monk Institute of Being Smart Online.
1: One does. Oh, one wow. works, well, So specifically, one works at the Mercatus Center and runs a blog called Marginal Revolution, Small Steps to a Better World. Christ. That's Tyler Cowan. Okay. The, Mer- the Mercatus Center, if you don't know, is kind of like the Adam Smith Institute of the United States. Uh, it's a dark money think tank that squats in George Mason University and is all about promoting market-based solutions to literally everything. Like they want to privatize libraries and shit, turn when, them all into the say, idea store like they have in Whitechapel.
4: When you say squat, I just assume that they like... Did a sort of 60s radical SDS thing and took over a building and they're just hanging banners out of the windows demanding uh, like uh, free markets and, I don't know, death care. Um, Well, it's one of these things where
1: it is a think tank that's at George Mason University. Mm. Um, but it had, There has been some. I believe there have been some controversy about how officially affiliated it is. Yes, that, so I'm aware. That I'm mean right. been like, like an official
2: disavowal by George Mason University yet.
4: <laughs> if you are captured, George the Mason dean is... will disavow all knowledge of your activities.
0: <laughs> 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 they're they SEAL Team Six for think tanks. They uh, George Mason is pretty pretty conservative though. I mean, it's in like the one of the bougier suburbs of DC that's just full of like Repul- you know like Republican libertarian geniuses. Oh yeah. Mm. And so it doesn't surprise me at all that they have that that if they did have squatters, they would be squatters who'd be like privatized <laughs> yeah, air yeah, like bow tie squatters. Like
2: one type of squatter that's not cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: what do we think Patrick
1: Collinson is? So we've got one um think tank nerd uh, mm. who's got a was
0: born with a bow tie. What do we think Patrick Collinson is? That name seems somewhat familiar, so I'm imagining he's He's got to be bald f-
5: <laughs> but that's, that's
0: basically all I've got He uh-huh. seems familiar, he's a bald guy <laughs> l- l- Let me ask one
4: question To narrow this down, is his Twitter Profile picture a screenshot Of himself on television Being interviewed
0: I feel like it probably mm- is no.
1: Oh, huh. damn it. Okay. no, he's the other Kind of unbearable psycho, and he's actually Not bald
2: is, it, is, is his Twitter profile like a picture Of him with like a gleaming white background Like iPod white behind him
1: um, I'm I'm going to his Twitter right now. No, it's just a very very high quality picture of him. Okay, and uh, I'll give you his his bio. Uh, it's failabilist, optimist. Oh no, he's a pinker guy. It's tech. He's, he's, tech. he's tech. He's tech. He's the, He's the CEO <laughs> of a massive of a of he's a massive Silicon Valley vampire capitalist.
2: Yeah, only the- only ah. tech guys talk like that. Yeah,
1: mm. yeah. Yep. So he runs a payment interface called Stripe. Um, so you know. Oh, I know about this- them.
4: Didn't they ban all of their sex workers off their platform?
1: That sounds like something they would do. Yeah. Uh, so yeah these are the guys who are have taken to the pages of the Atlantic to fantasize about a science of progress uh, and I of course refer you to the Steven Pinker episode you did with Felix where Steven Pinker referred to himself as an opt-realist and a serious possibilist, and suggested that we need to get together to study progress based on um, the rationality internet <laughs> if only we so... could
4: get together to study progress on some sort of plane or <laughs>
5: island <laughs> 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 yes,
1: if only we could get together to really understand development.
4: I do like um, that, it, briefly on the side with Pinker, his Epstein thing that it came out was that he got kicked off of the island and was made sort of persona non grata by Epstein for disagreeing with him.
1: About yeah, maybe he, he and Toby Young can get together as the two people who Epstein knows but, but yes. doesn't like and wanted to be friends with him. <laughs> oh, my. Okay, so... um. Shall we talk about the new science of progress? Which, by the way, I'd like to add, has never been studied before. No <laughs> thinker has ever tried to think about a combination of sociological, economic, and political factors that come together to produce technological progress and what and what consequences Riley, it might have in the long why term. Why yeah, waving know, around those... that
4: enormous copy of the Grundrisse? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I have a, a giant foam finger that just says "Read
2: Marx." <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, it's one of those ideas that like, once someone says it, you're like, oh my God, that's so obvious. Why didn't anyone else think of that before? You know, we should be studying progress, but literally no one has. So um, I'm excited to delve yeah, further until, into
1: this. Until now, until we have invented this field that they want to call progress studies, all academic research has just been about how many angels can dance in the head of a pin. It's, <laughs> <medieval, laughs> it's been medieval scholasticism and trivia the entire time. Yeah, okay, there's so
2: been lots of progress on the question of whether women do or don't have souls at the minute. Um, but... <laughs> I'm mm. feeling
0: very frustrated that my PhD research into the quickening is now going to be disregarded.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so wait, from Highlander? Um, so progress itself is understudied. By progress, we mean the combination of economic, technological, scientific, cultural, and organizational advancement that has transformed our lives and raised the standards of living over the
4: past couple of
1: centuries.
4: Do you think the fall of the Roman Empire had stuff like this? (laughs) Like like, tablets going around talking about how great it's been and how that's surely going to continue forever?
1: How Romulus Augustulus failed forward and and, and, (laughs) and partnered with um, with. With, f- with foreign experts from, the, from Germany. <laughs> See,
0: I was thinking the same thing, but not about the Roman Empire, but rather about if you were living in, say, like the Brezhnev era and the Soviet Union, I mean, you imagine that people must have known, like, wow, this shit fucking sucks and everything is <laughs> not going well. Like, but did they have, do they have, like, success optimists in the Soviet Union yeah. that they had to listen to? Well, like, if there was, like,
4: Steven Pinkovich.
5: <laughs>
1: Mal- like, Mal- Malcolm, Gla- Malcolm Gladwell writes, writes a book called uh, Perestro- Perestroika. Why... why- why? Why? Opening up is the key to strength. Your
0: lamp is heavy because it's better.
1: <laughs> <laughs> for for a number of reasons, there is no broad-based intellectual movement focusing on understanding the dynamics of progress or targeting the deeper goal of speeding it up. We believe that it deserves a dedicated field of study. We suggest inaugurating the discipline of progress
4: studies. <sighs>
5: just
4: epic studies wonderful i love to be a phd in, in in awesomeness yeah it's 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 i fucking love science but an academic department Christ, instead of a it facebook is, meme it is. page i mean aside my, from
3: my every PhD thesis is
0: just, my phd thesis was just a really well edited extremely long overhead video of me using a hot plate to make like an epic bacon meal <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's you know what this what this tastes like to me is um i think it was an
1: essay in 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 the simpsons where Oh, yeah, it was one of the essay contests um, where Lisa goes to Washington to write an essay. And then um, her, her opponent says, how to make America take one dash of ingenuity, three cups of pride, and, and stir until thick with family values. And that's what this is, but about like Uber. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, which like by this- the way is apparently about to post a 4.5 billion dollar quarterly loss, which probably means that everything's going great in the economy yeah. as well How as the. How do world. you lose fi- money in an
4: economy where everything is insanely overvalued? Look, they are. That's because they're
0: disruptors Look, and they're if innovators. We had, if we, I- I- if we had all gotten degrees in progress studies we would know the answer that's to this question true. Right? Like the,
4: the, the alt-right tried to warn us there's two kinds of study in universities there's this and then there's grievance studies and if you don't if want to be grievance studies
0: 20 billion a year then that money could then be used for socialism and that's bad so you got to lose the money you got to <laughs> plug up the volcano with bills of cash that's how it works so so uh, here's how progress studies would work um
1: these are ma- um before digging into protest, what progress studies would entail, it's still worth noting that we need a lot of progress. <laughs> <So> we- <laughs> I,
4: this is like a, a slightly upgraded version of the um, uh, shoes are like some things, but unlike others.
0: <laughs> yeah, th- th- this is like if someone did a really half-hearted parody of Tony Robbins, it would sound like this.
4: We haven't yet cured all diseases. We don't
1: know yet how to solve climate change. We're still a very long way from enabling most of the world's population to live as comfortably as the wealthiest people do today. And we don't understand how best to m- predict or mitigate all kinds of natural disasters. And we aren't able to travel as cheaply or quickly as we'd like. We could be far better than we are at educating young people. The list of opportunities for improvement is extremely long.
2: It's almost as if some of them are in conflict with one another.
3: Hmm.
1: <laughs> no, no, never. It couldn't be. <laughs> No, because what you're saying, what you're doing is actually grievance studies. And progress <laughs> studies would say, how can we make an app that solves this problem without having to engage in any kind of messy conflict?
2: You're right. Yeah.
4: yeah. I mean, we just haven't worked out the right sort of technocratic solutions to these things Is all. Yeah.
1: So yeah. as, yet, as yet, we don't know how to solve climate change. Yes, we fucking do. We have to stop <laughs> taking all of the oil out of the ground and stop burning the oil we have taken out of the ground. That's how we solve it. It's not a technical problem. You fucking no, no, no. You, you, you're you're wrong
4: about f- that. We have to keep doing everything we're doing and, in fact, increase it and then hope that someone invents the, I don't know, the carbon suck 5,000.
1: Yeah, that's getting yes. That's yeah, why like we... two
2: C's.
4: Yeah, that's why oh, definitely. that's why we need
1: progress studies because otherwise we'd have to engage in grievance studies, which would fix the problem, but wouldn't do it with apps and would be mean about it.
2: Yeah, it might make people feel bad.
1: Mm. Yeah. And th- and then in that case we're just as bad as the carbon. Uh, those are major challenges, they go on. A lot of progress can also come from smaller advances. You know, the ones that won't do anything. Thousands of lesser improvements that t- together build on one another can represent an enormous advance for society. For example, and this is my favorite part. This is where, Annie, a long time ago, you had a tweet that I really liked, which is uh, about the best boy role in films. And that <laughs> imagine him on a date <laughs> saying what he does, proudly <sighs> puffing out his chest and straightening his little bow tie. I know, it's as just the, the cutest best boy. job
2: title imaginable. <laughs>
1: This is where these writers become the best boy. (laughs) For example, if our discoveries and inventions improve standards of living by 1% a year, children will by adulthood be 35% better off than their
0: parents. <sighs> wow, thirty-five percent! Great, <laughs>
1: thirty-five be percent better, Nate. Thirty-five <laughs> percent.
0: We always joke about this that the technocrats expect people to be like doing the Microsoft Windows ninety-five dance when they hear that you know things will get four percent worse and not five percent worse. Huh. And it's like the idea that this is somehow going to inspire some great level of devotion or even interest. It's like I don't know. I, I, I just this seems like it's a book, an idea, a discipline all written for people who read books in airports and buy books with the idea that I am I only have enough time to read this while I'm on a plane so it can't be anything deep and the margins need to be really, really narrow.
5: Oh, yeah. yeah. Just
4: just this stick is... to Tom Clancy by that point or like some yeah. military fiction name, something like uh, The Engagement of d- uh, Paris The Engagement doctrine. Protocol. Yeah.
1: The, yeah, the, the, the Paris it's, it's, Engagement Protocol. It's, it's either
4: like uh, two words that mean kind of the same thing, like the Engagement Protocol or it's the name of a city and and then one of those words.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, so I vote everyone uh, of our listeners to look around your room and reflect in your life. Now imagine if it was precisely 35% better or or 1% better per year and to think concretely uh, how what kind of change that would be for example you might have more kitchen gadgets you might have a 1% nicer cutting board uh, have you considered that maybe you could have a 2% fluffier sofa all of these all of these can add together to produce a much
4: improved life trash future would be exactly the same but the Elon Musk standee is 35% wider not even
1: taller, <laughs> just it's just broad. It's just a thick
0: piece of cardboard. Well, also, I was thinking about this because, I mean, in personal note, twenty sixteen on in personal terms was a really good year for me in the sense that, like, I got yeah, your guy got elected. Oh my god, yeah, fuck you!
3: <laughs> <laughs> I, I,
0: I, uh. You know, I got. It, I, I had a job that allowed me to achieve a certain degree of stability. I finished grad school. I got married. Like, my brother, I was able to get my brother out of basically a situation of being homeless and was in much better shape. But at the same time, like... Just because I'm having a good year doesn't mean that we're not all frogs in the pot and the temperature's going up. You know what I mean? Mm. And so, in a way, it's sort of like if you don't address the the, the the macro level problems here, and instead you're just like, what if things were 10% better? Like, what, what does that even yeah, 1%, mean? 1%, 1%, 1% percent better in time. 1%, 1% per year. They get 35% better total. over the course of your total <laughs> so lifetime. We have
1: 35% better as a ceiling of how batch better it can be, though.
0: And, yeah. And I guess I look at it too and I think about all the things that I've watched get worse over the course of my lifetime. Like, they don't. Most of this stuff didn't happen overnight, but there was there was this uninterrupted decline, and it's like anybody who's not feeling that now isn't paying attention to it. So I mean, I, I realize that I'm arguing like we're making fun of the article, and I'm sort of arguing the larger thematic point, but the idea that I mean this is no different than those clickbait articles where they're like things to be cheerful about. And it's like 10% of people are living in slightly less dire poverty in the world. And it's like, great, but they're all going to die from climate change. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. But like, going to be. you
4: don't understand though. we have this graph that is of goodness and the goodness is going up. So there's more of it. And
3: why are you against <laughs>
4: that? And why are you trying to point out the guy creeping up behind me with a sledgehammer marked climate change in a Ben Garrison kind of way? The
0: world might be all on fire right now, but there are more jelly beans in my jar at home than there were last year and that means the world's getting better well,
1: yeah it's like this is this is social science but done in the style of like a
4: toothpaste ad
5: <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> makes, your, makes your
4: teeth 10 percent No, it's, it's 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 the fig mcflurry again it's fancy little boys getting treats <laughs> so
1: i'll carry on he then goes to they then go to a geographic explanation of this some, for some reason the Just treat how distribution per- just how productive can a cultural ecosystem be? Why did Silicon Valley happen in California rather than Japan or Boston? Why was the early tw- lack
0: of unions? <laughs> Why was the early
1: 20th century science in Germany and
0: Central Europe so strong? Uh, Literally in both they fucking cases, the, the fu-
4: military industrial complex. Yeah, the military
2: yeah, industrial complex and an the arms fact arms that they, race.
5: they
0: they 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 favored places where they knew they didn't have to worry about unions. Yeah, like,
4: and, hmm. and suddenly we have to build all of these semiconductors in one place like
1: I <sighs> can we deliberately engineer the conditions most hospitable to this kind of advancement or effectively tweak the systems that surround us today?
2: <laughs> most yes. of those weren't good conditions.
4: Well, no, but we can still engineer them. They, these guys just don't we want ser- to because it requires the government can. to do stuff. <laughs> yeah,
1: for example, um, A- Annie, yeah, it may, might not be good conditions, but now we have Uber for ambulances called
4: Ambulans.
1: <laughs> you know, so thank, thank you. to us all thank them. God, the
3: moment Thank I you, discovered Silicon Ambulance
4: Valley. was like the moment I knew this podcast was a perfect fit
0: for me because it was just. <laughs>
2: <laughs> is Ambulance actually real? I
0: thought Ambulance yeah, is real. No, it's not real. real. It's, it's real. real. We it,
1: talked about it on an episode last year. It's
0: like it sells itself as like a stepping stone for people who are EMT qualified to get jobs, but it's just a terribly run. Basically, a guy is running it out of his flat in New York and it's just, it's like a huge shell game, like fake ambulance service.
1: Oh my God. <laughs> um, so, this, this, these kinds of questions are exactly what progress studies would investigate. It would consider the problem as broadly as possible, and then would study successful people, organizations, institutions, policies, and cultures that have arisen today. date. That's called and history!
5: <laughs>
4: <laughs> you have invented, was, fucking Herodotus over here has invented <laughs> a field of study that's been around since fucking antiquity.
1: Yeah, but now it's looking forward, Alex. Oh, Christ. And it would attempt to concoct policies and prescriptions that would help improve our
4: ability to generate useful progress in the future. That's cold history. <laughs> I, I I feel as if I'm going insane here, but like,
0: uh... I mean, I feel like this is this is useful in the sense that this, this audience is that they're trying to pander to, or that they think would be I- enthused with such a mm-hmm. concept, has basically. They have they they never read, they've never finished a book that they were assigned to read in the various expensive schools they went to. Like they've never actually read a book in their life. They've just been given the Cliff Notes version. And so they're like, oh, the idea that that you can learn from the past, I've never heard of this before. this
4: This is this is historiography for people who have only read two history books and they're both by Richard Overy.
0: I've got so many great surprises for you in the next two paragraphs. I mean, cause to, to put mm-hmm. it perspective, remember when everybody in the liberal establishment was quaking in their boots because supposedly Steve Bannon was this mad genius. <laughs> whereas, <laughs> yes. like when they when they leaked his emails, he really he writes like a an angry fourteen year old. But, 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 on but he's, he's, he's a Earth. student of history, his, exactly. And it's like, yeah. and it's like I've, heard uh-huh. I've heard references. I've heard references to Steve Kelly. Bannon, <laughs> who's read who's that he's read all these like classical like scholars of antiquity, and every single time it always comes back to the exact same point, which is that he claims to have read the peloponnesian war and the point he always raises is let's build a trojan horse <laughs> that's the one thing he remembers
1: well it's yeah, like the that famous... old russian
4: proverb the fox knows a lot of tricks and the hedgehog knows one that works
1: <laughs> it's like that old russian proverb um dissolve bodies of with acid no no the, i think the, i think what you're thinking of is the old russian proverb is um all all unhappy families are different so try to have a happy one <laughs> Okay, so here, here's here's the next paragraph. Now, progress studies has antecedents, both within fields and institutions. The economics of innovation, for example, is a critical topic and should assume a much larger place than economics. The Center for Science and Imagination at the Arizona State University, affiliated with Steven Pinker, seeks to encourage optimistic thinking about
4: the future through fiction. Literally, I think the place where he was photographed with Jeffrey Epstein. Yes,
1: yes it is. It was at a dinner for that center. <laughs> oh, my God.
0: They just want to envision a future when everyone has a private island. I mean, how is that not a positive future? You know, when you can just take off on a plane and go wherever you want, where there's no laws. I mean, yeah, come on. Where, no, where the laws holding you
1: back from your full potential don't apply. Now, here's that is the thing of this paragraph. That's the starter. Here's the main course. Uh, the. This discipline observes almost certainly correctly that imagination and ambition themselves play a central role in progress. Graham Allison and Niall Ferguson have called for an applied history movement to better draw lessons from history and apply them to real world
4: problems. Great. So now we have actual historians who don't want to do history and want to invent a sexy history 2.0.
1: Yeah, history too.
2: I mean, Uh, yeah, it's kind of just like actual historians who just hate all other historians. And I just like, we want, you know, to draw better lessons from history, but not the lessons that historians are currently giving us.
0: No, those those lessons are inconvenient and bad. Yeah. So, I mean, Niall Ferguson, I think this is public knowledge, but he he. Yeah, he's handsomely paid to speak at like hedge funds and private equity funds to talk about how like historically the left is wrong and bad and why why business and low taxes are good and this is justified by history. I mean, he is absolutely a historian for hire, and we also found out that he's incredibly thin-skinned because if you make fun of him, he'll literally like sick his fucking PhD student goons on you to try to like end your life. <laughs> I mean, at he's
4: he's always been a court historian, if I remember correctly. His first big work of scholarship was like a family history of the um the crop arms manufacturing family. So,
1: well, um, here is actually an excerpt from the article by Niall Ferguson about what he thinks applied history is and why oh it could be God. helpful. The and I've I've went and I found this art uh, this this clip. So this is we're going out of the the doofus art the doofus fancy best boy article and into <laughs> Niall Ferguson's article. The U.S. government's response to the 2008 financial crisis illustrates the value of this approach.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
1: so we're gonna. The, and what do we think? Uh, what what lesson do we think he's taking from the response to the financial crisis? Do you think it's what you do or what you don't do? Straw poll. Mm. Nate. What you don't do,
4: Alice. Alice. Yeah, I think it's not jailing any bankers.
1: Uh, what's what, are they taking a positive or negative lesson from the from the response to the financial crisis? Well, of
4: course, positive. They're the only yeah. fucking freaks who could. Annie.
2: Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with Alice here. I think they're gonna okay. take a positive lesson from it.
4: The U.S.
1: government's response to the financial crisis illustrates the value of this approach. That September saw the biggest shock to the world economy since the Great Depression. But in a stroke of luck, the chairman of the Federal (laughs) Reserve at the time, Ben Bernanke, was a student of financial crises. As he wrote in his 2015 memoir, the context of history proved invaluable. Bernanke's Fed acted decisively using unprecedented tools that stretched the Fed's legal powers, such as buying up mortgage-backed and treasury securities. Bernanke's knowledge of the Depression also informed the Fed's efforts to backstop other central banks. Thank you, Ben. That recovery rocked. Now there aren't Nazis everywhere.
2: <laughs> yeah, I no, know. And, you- and now everything's okay now.
1: Yeah. yeah. It's a good thing he read all those... Bu- he It's a good thing he read, like, you know, about Tom Jode or whatever. It's a good <laughs> thing they didn't just give money to people it was good that they put it all yeah, through the banks they, thank you for learning that lesson they
0: backed up the, so that the holders of those mortgage-backed securities and cdo's wouldn't be left basically yeah. with worth with worthless equity equities and securities well, they made but they didn't actually do anything boards. about the mortgages themselves so basically it's like well oh, no good i'm glad the pen the pension yeah, it was, funds it was, invested
4: it was such a deliberate squandering of that crisis. You end up with, well, same with the makers. You end up with federal control of the boards of these huge corporations, and you just kind
0: of just, just give it away. Well, famously, I remember hearing the story that, you know, because obviously they, they, they stopped the... They basically stopped those, all of those securities from, from going bankrupt. So institutional investors who had been you know, investing in them because of their incredibly inflated credit ratings, or uh, I, I'm not quite sure if the, the term is correct there, they, they were fine. But the people who had underwater mortgages or who were getting foreclosed on, if you called the government's hotline to like get mortgage relief, all it did was connect you to the bank that was foreclosing on you.
3: Yeah,
1: well, but if here's the thing, Nate, if they actually did help you with your mortgage, that would be an infringement on your personal responsibility. And yeah, then you wouldn't and, be motivated to do anything.
4: And yes. the um the people who were made whole again on that and who like did invest in these immensely overvalued assets, they learned their lesson and they're never gonna do it again. And the next no, one will never. not be much worse as a result of this. Well
1: the thing about this, Alice, is that they invested smartly and that they should have been rewarded for that. Mm. And if we if we took if we took the money from the people who invest smartly, smartly, and then use it to derogate the personal responsibility of people who had mortgages, then what would happen is everyone would become dependent on the government, and that would be like slavery. Hey, um,
5: real,
4: <laughs> real quickly, uh, what were the kind of uh, racial distributions of those two populations like?
1: Oh, truly um, oh, that's, rac- uh, that's immaterial. Uh, Alice, it's racist to ask. Ah, <laughs> uh, I see. <laughs> yeah, it's racist to ask that. Um, Also, the other thing is that it's good that Ben studied the Great Depression, which wasn't, you know, fixed by a gigantic program of public works and public spending.
0: (laughs) Never. No no such thing.
1: (laughs) Okay, so I want to go back to the article. Um, A lot of excellent climate research in environmental science, physics, chemistry, oceanography, mathematics and modeling, computer science, biology, ecology and other fields was being pursued before he recognized, quote unquote, climate science as a discipline unto itself.
5: But it's
4: almost
3: as though the research didn't
4: mean anything Because society's breaking And it's still an interdisciplinary effort. Like you don't stop being a biologist because you study the effects of climate change on biology.
1: Yeah, but they didn't call it progress studies. It's all in the name. It's a branding Uh, exercise.
4: I I, I study uh, the planet's bad making.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it does kind of seem like there's some actual progress in this article itself because they've moved on from rediscovering or discovering the concept of studying history to discovering the concept of interdisciplinarity, Mm. um, which is like so they're moving quite fast through this. I mean... Maybe there is something to it. They clearly, they clearly know their stuff.
4: Well, just as an own on myself, when I was trying to make that last joke, I nearly said "climatology," and then I realized that that's a real thing. So that's, <laughs> that's the level I'm operating on today.
1: Planetology is a is a is a is a field of study from the Dune books. <laughs> uh, as you, if you recall, um, Liette Kynes uh, is a planetologist who uh, becomes who becomes culturally Fremen and is crucial to Paul Atreides making That's his escape from the Harkonnens. actually
4: appropriation, though, So
1: <laughs> I'm appropriating Dune culture. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, okay. An important distinction between our proposed progress studies and a lot of existing scholarship is that mere comprehension is not the goal.
2: Oh, my God.
1: <laughs> the, the, success of pro- the success of progress <laughs> studies will come from its ability to identify effective,
4: progress-increasing interventions. But the, the more good of the thing And then the more thing happened The more good it yeah. is And the more thing is good The thing yeah, Fucking the hell point, <laughs> The point is to make Is to make the graphs better
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah I mean Right now the graphs of society Have been trending down for a while And
4: progress studies Aims to reverse that trend Yeah th- th- this graph is looking like A sad face But if we turn it upside down Then it looks like The little man is smiling <laughs> 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 Um, in that sense, progress studies is closer to medicine
1: than biology. The goal is to treat, not merely to understand. <laughs>
4: yeah, I, was, <laughs> yeah I'm, I, what, I make the numbers go up on the graph of how good everything is. I'm basically a doctor. <laughs> I,
5: I, I'm, I'm,
0: I'm just imagining these people watching nine eleven. They're like, "Well, now we have tablets. There's a lot less paper to burn." I mean, this this wouldn't happen. Well, also, look, Eddie,
1: a- <laughs> you're you're in academia, right? Like, you're not you're not trying to, you know solve anything you're not trying you're not trying to have any of the academic impact you're just Absolutely basically carving not. on rice right
2: no i just want to sit around and talk about how interesting it is yeah
1: yeah and you know it's a good thing these guys came along because otherwise you wouldn't have known that maybe if you release your all all your research out into the wild maybe you could change some graphs i'm
2: not going to lie reading this article is really fucking me up because i'm realizing i'm going to have to do a whole new extra chapter now just to be like oh and i guess i should probably do something with this
1: Yeah, because it's not as though, you know... The the impediment to, like, being able to use anything academically uh, is, of course, the fact that academics just aren't asking the right questions. It's not that there's any kind of, <laughs> say, set of powerful interests arrayed against making this kind of progress. <laughs> no, it's not that most of these um, life quality of life improving inventions that have, like, popped up throughout the 20th century were also the product of, like, the military industrial complex, like the fucking microwave. No, like, no, see, that could be it is, either. All those
0: people, they just need to see that they're wrong and then they'll be like, "Oh, I was wrong. I'll just stop I'll stop opposing this cuz things are good and they need to get better." Everyone who's everyone who's just against progress because they're doing
1: grievance studies just has to change majors.
5: That's <laughs> it. <laughs>
0: it's weird because it gets to the point where you almost feel as though it's difficult to lampoon this because it's so on its face ridiculous no, it's, it's he's hard, right. it's it's hard for me to get into the mindset of someone mm. dumb enough that I can say like the thing that is dumb but also smart cr- like with enough credulity that it's going to come across as a joke because literally like I don't know I, yeah. everything you've read to me makes me feel as though like this is just a really horrible simulation where like they haven't updated the AI and these, like, these people have have like four different responses they can possibly give Like it's the fucking Sims They're NPCs
4: <laughs> like the right was sort of Correct in the wrong direction again <laughs> So um, I, I'm going
1: to read one more paragraph in this and then we're going to move on If we look to history, the organization of intellectual fields as generally recognized realms of effort and funding has mattered a great deal. Areas of study have expanded greatly since the early European universities were formed to advance theological thinking. Thanks, guys. Yeah.
4: (laughs) This is a rare case of the paragraph where you just say the correct thing being embedded in the later bit rather than just out at the start.
1: Yeah. Also completely pointless. Yeah. Wow. Universities have been been updated since the... (laughs) Fifteenth century. It
4: Sweet. turns out there was this thing called history, and acknowledging that may completely derail <laughs> our argument. But
1: anyway. Organized- organized study of philosophy and the natural sciences later spawned deeper examination of to name a few maths physics chemistry biology and even economics each discipline in turn with its subfields has spawned many subsequent transformative discoveries our point quite simply
4: webster's english dictionary (laughs) defines academia as
3: (laughs) (laughs) our
1: point quite simply is that this progress has yet to reach a natural end cue the end of history siren And a more focused, explicit study of progress in general should be one of the next
4: steps. We have to get better at getting better, guys. <laughs> I was I, I was not joking with the sort of brain word slurry earlier. It really is just more good, better make good, more thing good make.
0: See, I, I feel like this basically treats progress, improvement, however you want to describe it, as like a perfectly... Atomized thing that has no relation to any kind of movement of like capital well, or force it's, or it's, power. It's,
4: it's, it's the moral arc of the universe. is yeah. Above, yeah. So far to it's, it's,
0: it's like it's like it's like the, everything that's good and that's going to move us forward is a priori good and everyone will recognize that when yeah. they see it so there's no it's fight like, to be had it's, kind it's of just explicitly good and everyone like, knows it
2: explicitly like depoliticizing progress yeah. as well yeah. so, you know it's yeah, kind yeah, of agreed. like shipping yeah. it of kind of any kind of political background or kind of like context this is, and- this is basically
0: what's, hedge fund juche sorry, what, sorry, sorry, what's
4: really sorry, funny up. is that any like study of history will show you that the same stuff keeps happening and all of these people already existed in this like 18th century when and they were thinking about how fewer of their sheeps were getting stolen, thanks to enclosure,
1: Sorry, sorry, sorry. do I have to go read you all the pro- the paragraph about how things get one to four percent
4: better a year again? <laughs> it's countable people. It's a science.
1: It's got numbers.
4: At least everyone the knows the original that- Whig historians were like, "Oh, well, the Romans, and then basically us now, like, yeah.
1: They didn't try to, they, yeah, they didn't have numbers. Everyone knows that words can lie, in our opinion. Numbers are fact. You can't make those up. It could be 1% better a year until 35%, and then it stops. God, re- I would say read a book, but get a calculator. Okay. So that's the progress article. I really loved it. It's one of my favorite things I've ever read. I have to change it's my just, degree major. It's just so happy, it's just so pleased. It just, you you understand why I I feel like they're the best boys adjusting their bow ties.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: It's just so cute.
4: Anyway. Yeah. I, I, love, I love to do this same thing after the collapse and do, well, the number of sun-bleached skeletons keeps increasing year on year, <laughs> oh. and actually, that's quite a positive <laughs> sign for the recovery of the wastes.
5: Yeah,
1: if anything, this mutation giving me a third ear just helps me hear good ideas faster and better. Um... So I can learn from my mistakes. Anyway, uh, shall we talk about feminism and the alt right? Yeah.
4: All right, I'll,
1: I'll like buy a progress, What's progress section.
2: <laughs> Go to progress <laughs> section of the podcast and an anti-progress section. It's very balanced. Yeah. You have got to hear both sides.
1: We have to hear both sides, as the as as Birch Barlow said on The Simpsons: "Only turkeys have left wings." Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm, I'm real Simpsonsy today.
4: And um, every so, other day.
1: <laughs> no, I'm also Warhammery on other days. Uh, so. uh, any um we to talk like one of the things I find very interesting, and this is about some a lot of what you've written as well, mm. has been about how the alt right is primarily a a heteronormative cisgendered white male um reaction to the idea that they can't do whatever they want anymore right
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, and sure, I mean one thing I sort of try and make clear in my research is that it's kind of built around those identities as concepts um but it's like also more than willing to diversify if that's kind of a strange way of putting it oh like uh, progress like like, pro- like progress yeah i mean like they're kind of like more than willing to kind of uh, like utilize diversity for their for their own goals do you know so uh, which is why mm. you kind of always kind of see like uh these people like uh I don't know. I'm trying to think. Like Candace Owens and Mm -hmm. uh, the kind of various women of the alt right, kind of Faith Goldie, Lauren Southern, stuff like that. Kind of uh, they rise up the ranks to like you know, kind of real totemic levels, right? Because um, they're like more, yeah. They're kind of very happy to kind of understand diversity as a as a tool, I suppose, Mm. even as they kind of are anti diversity ideologically.
4: This seems quite cynical of them. Are you suggesting that the alt right may be kind of acting in bad faith here?
2: <laughs> um, uh, you know, I would, uh, I would never, never seek to kind of, you know, <laughs> uh, impugn anyone's motives. Um, but there certainly is an impression you get when you, know, when you're reading you really know, get the, on
1: them. It's you, you see this, um, even you even see this sort of the same thing sort of crop up when people talk about, oh, the Corbanistas say that they're all about diversity, and yet hmm, they're criticizing Pretty Patel, an Asian woman taking a yeah, high office of state, mm. yeah, as though, as though. Because it's for them, I feel like what it is, and we'll get into the sort of the women on the alt right thing shortly, but I think this is worth saying for them it seems like there is there is diversity as an end in itself, which is something the left wants because the left is yeah. left is silly yeah, and then there are policies that actually promote the well-being of of people who have traditionally been the targets of the mm. wrath and rancor of a white supremacist and patriarchal society which can be promoted by people who are of the target groups. And it's as though they don't understand that those things are
4: different.
2: Yeah, no, that's but, absolutely but of course they is, do. So
4: they do when those well, yeah. policies are for people, well, demographics they like, let's say.
1: Yeah, so it's not, the, sorry, I didn't say they don't understand that those aren't different. It's that they're willing to be performatively stupid about things. They're willing, they're willing to pretend
2: things. that they don't know they're not different. Yeah, it's like, you know, when, uh, I, when Milo Yiannopoulos was still kind of a a figure in the headlines and you know, he was kind of getting banned from college campuses and stuff like that. And you know, you kind good, of see It's a good these... thing we all
1: argued against it. Oh, sorry. sorry. Yeah.
2: <laughs> you see all of these right-wing guys be like, "Oh, so, so the left and you know don't want a gay Jewish man speaking? Interesting, and all of that kind yeah. of stuff."
0: So, so I I noticed this too because uh, a lot of guys that I was in the military with are no surprise now like alt-right trolls, which is mm. generally like shitlords online, yeah. and I saw that line deployed a no- number of times, being like, "Oh, you don't like this man? Like, well, I, how is it the liberals are trying to silence a gay man?" Like, look. If the gay man is speaking and saying that it's good to be racist and you should dox undocumented immigrants so that they get deported, like it doesn't matter if he's gay or not. But that they're like, oh, that makes you homophobic, right? Like, see, <laughs> I'm more woke than you. Well, it's, it's like, well, no, it it, it doesn't because it, this
1: isn't about individuals. This is about aggregate <laughs> well, effects of things.
4: Yeah, you you just it's Magic the Gathering to these people. You triggered their trap cards, <laughs> <laughs> which is also what I call Blair White.
1: <laughs> so, um here's uh so basic so going moving on to sort of how women have worked within the alt-right mm-hmm. and how the alt-right has welcomed certain types of um of of women into its ranks so to speak um i think we need to go back to uh the ideas of helen andelin uh who wrote this book uh called fascinating womanhood uh in the mid-century and it's like an anti-feminist manifesto by by this woman she says one need is fundamental a wife must feel loved and cherished by her husband. Without love, her life is
4: an empty shell. This is going to be the Borat voice episode, isn't it? <laughs>
1: <laughs> she must be loved and cherished by her husband without his love her <laughs> life is a little critzley without without husband
0: what is wife
1: <laughs> yeah. uh, hey, you know what you you can't you can't be a wife without a husband or a wife damn woke mm. Turn, i took it and i turned it on you god <laughs> look at
0: you dan hodges right
1: here <laughs> so um let's sort of can we can we go into kind of what the What the basis of uh, books like *Fascinating Womanhood* are, what they're what they're doing.
2: So, *Fascinating Womanhood* is um, probably still one of the most influential uh, books for the women of the alt right, um, and particularly the kind of trad wife subset. Um, It's still getting quoted everywhere um, and things like that. And you know, there's there's something I kind of find quite deeply sad about *Fascinating Womanhood* um, because we kind of see all of these sort of self-help kind of uh, trends kind of crop up over and over again um, for women. But Fascinating Womanhood is like probably the one that is most explicit, which is a bit like here's how to make your boyfriend or your husband or whatever love you and care about you, Um, which like – I don't know always seems like a kind of quite tragic like starting point for these sorts of things where it's like you know well done you've got a boyfriend you've got a husband uh now here's how to make him not treat you like shit um and the answer in fascinating womanhood is you should just treat yourself like shit for him um so you know it's kind of sort of like uh you know if he says something that you know upsets you or if you know he says something that you know seems cruel to you um don't bring it up um you know, uh, kind of, uh, wait, wait, I think they sort of, like, say uh, the, it says something like, um, you know, um, he'll, he'll have his reasons. And if you kind of try and approach him about how he's making you feel, that will just feel like nagging to him. Mm-hmm. Um so you know, instead, kind of just kind of repress that sort of emotion, and then I think it says something like, "And if you if you still feel upset in like a week or so, then maybe it's okay to kind of broach the subject." Um, but you always kind of have to start with a, you know, "This is a this is a me problem. I'm not attacking you," kind of thing. I,
4: I have critical uh, support for this because this is the kind of philosophy that led to a ton of wives poisoning their husbands and getting away with
2: yeah. it. Yeah, this is real um,
4: but, uh, hours.
2: I mean, this is, I remember. Yeah, this, sorry, this I, I was going. That's a really good. Point point oh, please, alice because uh, this is what i find really interesting about kind of the 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 child movement and kind of you know saying oh things were so much better in the 50s gender relations were so much better in the 50s yeah, and stuff like never that
4: never watched chicago uh...
2: <laughs> yeah or like do you know it, you sort of want to be like well but it but it clearly you know they always kind of talk about how this was the secret to happiness for women and women are so unhappy now but you're sort of a bit like but women weren't happy because that's why it's not why it's not like that anymore no. mm. right? they weren't happy like, <laughs> but they weren't being
1: annoying about it
2: <laughs> yeah like <laughs> I, that's I, basically it it's sort of like i mean it, you know if, if it had been this kind of absolute perfect kind of you know utopia of gender relations then why did it change why did it stop do you know kind of and there's always this sort of understanding that um i guess that feminists are kind of these sort of like sleeper agents somehow do you know mm. like it's kind of like you know, there's real women and then there's feminists who weren't happy with it um and it's, 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 it's like
4: nationalism right it has to be wounded it has to have been stolen um, yeah
2: it, it kind of seems kind of like this just sort of strange contradiction i suppose where you know all this is the secret for happiness for all women even modern feminists they say are lying to themselves when they say they don't really want to be a trad wife with you know a kind of a nice big home and six kids and stuff like that um but
1: what What I remember actually about reading excerpts from Fascinating Womanhood is it says that when you are going to confront your husband, you should always endeavor to be cute while doing it. So you should hold your, it says you should hold your breath and stomp your feet while you make your point. So you look like a child.
2: Yes. Yeah. That's
4: awesome. That's, that's not like a behavior. (laughs) Well, well, you went with kink, but I was just going to go with non-stuff like, Uh
2: I mean, there's it's it's funny because there's been actual studies on this. And, you know, because there's the kind of man-hating feminist sort of uh, kind of trope that's out there. But what has actually been studied is is that women who hold more traditional views of gender um and kind of more sort of benevolent views on kind of uh, you know, how women should behave. So uh, think they you know, score highly on beliefs like, Um, Even if both couples are working, it's still the women's responsibility to take care of the home. It's still the woman's responsibility to put dinner on the table, um, all of these kind of things. They also have the highest hostility to men, Um, much higher than people with more than women with more gender kind of egalitarian uh, sort of beliefs. And you're kind of like, that makes sense, right? Because you kind of believe that your role is to kind of act as this kind of quite submissive um, servant character. you're gonna get resentful. That's just what happens. Um it's, so it's kind and of, then it, poison your husband. And then and then you poison <laughs> your husband. Yeah. Well
1: it's 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 a it's basically like a guide to marriage as written by the writers of King of Queens, it seems like. <laughs> <laughs> like this is the NBC can't miss Super Thursday lineup of of what gender is, because your husband is a feckless is Is a combination of kind of a feckless idiot Mm. But also the But also the stern powder familias Mm -hmm. And you love and hate him at the same time And this is a healthy way to carry on a marriage You shouldn't get a job Because then you won't be able to make his roast But also poison it
0: (laughs) Well, something that I've also noticed too from encounters with people like this in real life as well as stuff online is that there does seem to be an argument that the the, the kind of trad wife people want to make or the people in that sort of milieu want to make that the problems with the modern economy or is that because women are working? Yes. And so that in order to solve the current crisis of underemployment and wage stagnation and things along those lines and you know the gap in productivity mm-hmm. between productivity and earnings, it's like well women should just be trad wives instead, mm. which well, for one is, is is insane, but also for another completely disregards the fact that the The problems of capital squeezing yeah. out labor aren't going to change just because it's all dudes in the office. No. It's not like oh dudes. No, well now now that I know that I'm only employing dudes, I can just give them all raises because I love my dudes. <laughs> I mean, well, have, like, you, uh, have you ever I'm worked sorry. at
2: like a company that's had cutbacks and stuff like that? Because like I have, and all that happens when like you lose a section of the workforce is it's just like oh you're doing half of their job now. You know, then that's for for pretty much the same money, maybe like a kind of like slight raise before, but like you know, it's not you're not getting double the wages. Do you know that never happens? Yeah. So as
3: as
4: for the work, like in my experience with the like the subgenre of this, the Islamic trad wife. Um, the the guys who have that more conservative jurisprudence about mm-hmm, this yeah. always, always, always emphasize work first. There's a million threads on uh, like Islam QA and stuff, which are like uh, any sort of quotidian problem, uh, and they'll be like, "Well, you're working in a mixed environment, and you know that's Haram. And it's you know, it's it's bad for men and women, and like it's always the first thing."
5: Mm. Mm.
1: So this is actually up from a because I I am a um. I am a real fan of Tradwife internet content. Um, both the blogs and the cooking photos. <laughs> um, so this is from a blog post, uh a post that I think it really it's from a couple of years ago. It's probably, I think, one of the best Tradwife posts from for so encapsulating this idea. And it the post is called Submission and Respect. Um
4: Okay that, that, one is, that one is kink Like I
1: think Modern society has marriage all wrong Women act like men leading the home And men take the role of women with compliance Men are brainwashed into believing that if there is a Problem they can just walk out and divorce Seems more desirable than marriage these days Men take the these role days. of women
4: with enthusiasm When I'm pegging them <laughs> Honestly I am
1: Convinced feminism is to blame for the majority of the Problem because our men are being attacked from Every which way Again. As, wives, <laughs> as wives we love to come to. Together, invent "quote quote, about how dumb, careless, and unkind our male counterparts are. Because which man is not empty-headed and insensitive? <laughs> Every sitcom from The Simpsons to Modern Families just shows men in such a detestable light. While women ha- commend the home with all their brilliance, command rather, men have to consider women equal to themselves, or they are bigots.
5: Yes. yes. <laughs> Just <Yeah>. saying <laughs> the thing. Yeah, that's correct, yeah.
1: Right. S- satisfaction cannot be gained by trying to act like something a woman is not. Telling a wife submission and respect lead to a healthy and joy-filled marriage is so taboo, but that's exactly what I'm saying.
0: I mean, if you're into BDSM, great, but like, I don't feel mm-hmm. as though being married needs, needs to also bring with it the idea that you are constantly submitting and have zero agency.
1: Yeah. Um, but, but I mean,
0: hey, you know what? What do I know? I'm not... Goody housewife or whatever the fuck these people call them. Oh yeah, they're all turfs too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I can only imagine they're all turfs. Yeah. Because mm. this, this this seems like like turfdom is the air they breathe. Oh yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. <laughs> so here's here, that's the lead up, but here's
1: what I find very interesting about this post, and yeah, it's the second paragraph. The biggest hurdle of my marriage has been giving up control to my incredible husband and letting him lead as he sees fit, because I was never taught how to be a traditional wife, much less a godly one. My parents divorced when I was young, and other than their example, I had no role models of marriage. I never even knew that being a good wife was a skill I was able to learn. I just assumed being a desirable partner would happen if I was with the right person, but I quickly found out this is definitely not how marriage works.
4: Those two things aren't related, like not having... A model of how a healthy relationship works doesn't mean you have to have a model of how a submissive, patriarchal one works.
1: But also, I like this idea where she just assumed that being a desirable partner would happen if I was with the right person, but I quickly found out this is definitely not how marriage works. Maybe, maybe, maybe that first thing you said is right. Mm. You will become, you will have a happy marriage if the two people are right together, not if you beat yourself into submission on his behalf. (sighs) Um... And I think, Annie, you, you really, one of your, this is, I'm contrasting this to one of your, Mm. your posts here, on your posts, one of your, a section from a New York Times article you wrote. Um, Which is just an
4: advanced form of
1: posting. I was going to say, yeah, that's just one of my
2: long posts, yeah.
1: (laughs) This is an effort post you did for the New York Times. Um, (laughs) A frustrated yearning for a mythic past of material abundance at a time when it is becoming increasingly difficult for people to build careers and achieve financial security is not gender specific, but young people face ever more obstacles, higher demands, and continually dwindling benefits in the form of in-work benefits, job security, and pay. We shouldn't underestimate how some young white women, when faced with this bleak economic landscape and then presented with a rosy image of 1950s domestic bliss, may look back to 1960s era feminism as having cheated them out of a family and luxurious lifestyle, supported by this single income the men on the alt-right point to diversity initiatives and mass immigration as having dismantled their careers prospects the women are furious they have to consider career prospects at all and i think these two um, points go together quite well because this is someone who is desperately see- who seems to be desperately seeking stability mm. in what appears to be an unstable life through the complete abdication of any kind of control.
4: Well no, we everything is perfect. We love uh, to like live in our little dormitories with all of <laughs> our furniture that we rent a week at a time and then go to our we work.
2: Yeah. Right. <laughs> well I mean, you know, and this is kind of um because I think there has been some really good journalistic um kind of output about, you know, the kind of uh, alienation that is driving men, young men to the alt-right. Um, and I think there's been much less about the women. Um, uh, I think, you know, for obvious reasons, because the women are less scary because they're not going to kill anyone, do you know? Um, mm. You know, yeah, um, but it, it, that sort of, but it also kind of strikes me as a real missing gap that, you know, all of this stuff that we talk about and being enacted upon uh, young white men um, is being enacted on young white women too. Do you know? Um, and there's no, there's no kind of female gene that makes them less prone to kind of like far right radicalization, do you know? Uh, it just comes out in a very different way because the gender hierarchy and the alt-right is so rigid. Um, and I think, you know, there there's like, particularly in the kind of the concept of the family and things like that, I think there right, really are things that um, we shouldn't just leave to the to the far right to be the only ones kind of pointing out, like the fact that, um, you know, it is hard, you know, for people who, for women who want to start a family, it's incredibly difficult. Um, And I think there's like, I can't remember, there was some Pew research study or something that said that um, even the young women in their sort of 20s to 30s who have had children, haven't had as many as they'd like and this sort of thing. And that does seem like, I think, um, that's a real, going to be a real point of kind of psychological loss um, for people, and it's certainly something that it seems like uh it's kind of just that little that little schism, that kind of little wound, I suppose, in people that the alt right is all too happy to exploit and kind of saying, pointing to all the wrong things uh, for whose fault it is. Do you well, know? like
4: the, the birth rate hysteria, saying yes. like mm. that's yeah. a, a hugely yeah. reinforcing thing is for them to yeah. be able to point to that and say, look, who is yeah. outbreeding you?
2: yeah 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 precisely and that's the and that's the thing that you know that's why the alt right is concerned about it they don't care that you know that women you know might want some children you know want more children than they have they've got then that sort of makes them sad they don't care about kind of women's psychological health in any sense but they do very very much care about demographics racial demographics if you,
1: if you want a vision i think of what an increasingly clear vision of why they the right why the right both the, the soft right the hard right you know why mm-hmm. both Rand Paul and Josh Hawley or whatever mm. all want are all concerned with white birth rates. Yes, it's because their ideal society is basically Oliver Twist where there are hundreds <laughs> and hundreds and hundreds of of white, specifically white children, but with uh, dirty, sooty faces who are yeah. ready uh, to clean a chimney even if it means it claims some of their arms because that's how you build character. Yeah, with well,
4: well, the urchin economy really did move things. Move fast and break things. Mostly arms, <laughs> sometimes legs.
2: <laughs>
4: uh, mate, can you mark that, please? Uh, right.
1: uh,
2: yeah, I mean, this, um, this is an underexplored area of progress studies as the urchin
5: economy. For sure. <laughs> um. <laughs> And this so rule is this... actually
4: three percent better
1: than
5: it was a year ago. <laughs> the uh, the
1: the 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 post then, not your post, Annie. The bad post, the bad, the, post. The bad posting, goes <laughs> uh, concludes. It is obviously not America's agenda to have healthy marriages in our community. We are currently too worried about bathrooms for all and the correct pronouns. Uh. Can you put in more horns, please. <laughs> 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 to educate school aged boys and girls on how to be successful in their proper roles. Um, and I think that's very that's very interesting though that they see this as the as something that schools should be doing because the other vi- the, the the vision of ca- that the reason capital supports this vision is because it they want an urchin economy. The reason that I think a lot of white nationalists um support this vision, especially the people who are, have been um, alienated by capital, is that they're desperate to return to a Norman Rockwell painting.
4: Mm. Like they're desperate to return yeah. to a fantasy past. Yeah. And, and not even a real Norman Rockwell painting. A Norman Rockwell painting they imagine. Because Norman yeah. Rockwell painted plenty of fairly searing indictments of uh, the mm. American racism, for instance.
1: Mm. Oh, they're doing the thing where they look at Norman Rockwell and they're like, yes, I want to live in the unironic version
2: of this <laughs> painting. <pandemic." laughs> like, they're looking at the kind of searing indictments of racism and just like, "Ha, huh, looks cool. <laughs>
3: mm. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they're doing the American Psycho Fight Club Wolf of Wall Street thing yeah. where they're like, "Oh man.
4: <laughs> this is awesome and not for the in- reason that the yeah, author intended." Like, I want to put like a link to um uh, Rockwell's uh, the problem we all live with in the description because it's a painting of Ruby Bridges being escorted to school by US Marshals. And they're clearly like, yeah, sounds good.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um so I'll uh, I'll go back to to Annie Annie's article here. Um, Annie's effort post so uh, Tradwives like to point to the ways In which the half-finished work of the sexual revolution Has brought about um, not only male but female Discontents the likes of pickup Artists and incels and then I guess I'll add this here um, mass murderers That the sexual revolution Has brought about a consequence free life of pleasure For young women while socially awkward Or unattractive men are left behind But the existence of tradwives points to a more nuanced reality Female fears of objectification And sexual violence remain as potent as ever The tradwife subculture exploits than by blaming modernity for such phenomena. It then offers chastity, marriage, and motherhood as an escape. As one such YouTube commenter, a teenager, told her audience, traditionalism does, quote, what feminism is supposed to do in preventing women from being made into sexual objects and, quote, treated like a whore.
4: Well, like, I... <sighs> I'm so old. I remember when this had currency on the left, and like Ariel Levy was writing uh, mm. female chauvinist pigs about yeah. how women were having too much sex and like it was betraying the gains of the '60s or whatever.
2: Mm. Yeah, and it's um, yeah. I mean, I think it's it was really interesting to me to see the difference between uh, the responses to Me Too um, from the kind of uh, female alt right versus the male alt right. Um, do you know, because it seemed to me like the female right had like a real uh, a real kind of. I suppose, like delight in those headlines, like, you know, the kind of really sort of prurient ones, which had all of these kind of like quite graphic details of sexual assault and stuff like that. And they were kind of posting them and like collages of them, literal collages on social media and stuff like that, like being like, share this around, you know, like, this is what's happening to you. This is what's happening to your daughters and stuff like that. Um, And it kind of, I think, brings me back to that understanding of that kind of uh traditional gender the tradition the kind of traditional wife or the traditional traditional woman's like innate so I suppose like hostility to men um where there's there's absolutely like, they kind of you know give no credence to the idea that kind of men can be uh, in any way educated not to sexually assault is a strange um, which, kind of which, sorry uh, go ahead. Uh, yeah which uh, i think kind of uh, comes out in the aerial levy and that kind of uh, brand of sort of the re- 90s resurgence of um, some radical feminism as well where it's like men aren't going to change lost cause what we can do is kind of keep women you know under lock and key um, which is you know a kind of shockingly kind of patriarchal argument which is um less surprising when it comes from traditional wives who are pro, you know very explicitly pro patriarchy um more shocking when it comes from Feminists.
4: Well, like, I, I, it, um, fuck, I forgotten what I was going to say. I, I um, was thinking
0: about this, Alice um, yeah. and Annie, and, and, because of the, the extent to which it seemed like what I perceived to be the sort of alt-right women response to some of the Me Too stuff was more, it serves you libs right. Like there was yeah. this extent to which they were kind of delighting in this to be like, see mm. if it, it, you've fallen so far from traditional yeah. morality, which, and this is what you get. So, haha, ha, yeah. you know, as as, as though th- any right wing movement isn't founded on and and, you know, mm. filled to the brim with examples of, of misogyny and sexual abuse sure. and sort I of never, like personality. Not
4: to be the guy or girl who like identifies fallacies and then decides that that wins an argument, but <sighs> it really is the just world fallacy. Yeah. And from my background in law, that's always something that in To get a little bit grim here, sexual offenses trials, for instance, Mm. you want more women on a jury because women are less likely to convict men because it requires a certain sort of implicit understanding that if this horrible thing happened, the victim must have done something wrong. And so by being a liberal, by not being a trad wife, by, you know, hanging around Mm. with degenerates, quote unquote, or whatever, that, that they have brought this upon themselves.
2: And there is this kind of weird phenomena, which it's like, it bothers me because I see I see left-wing people fall for this as well. So it's like where they're saying, you know, oh, well, look at where all the sexual assault is happening. It's in Hollywood. It's male feminists. It's liberals and men and all of this kind of stuff. And you're just sort of a bit like, no, it's happening. And <laughs> it's probably happening to a much greater extent in right-wing and nationalist circles. Mm. All of this stuff. It's just the women have absolutely no chance of speaking out because they know exactly what will happen to them if yeah. they do. Do you know? Yeah. Mm. Uh, women in so,
1: uh, did you know that we're going to edit out all of your bits on this podcast? Uh, and Alice's too, actually. It's just going to be Nate and I talking. It's just going to be lots of, lots of just dude talk, dude I, chat. I, I just, just remembered, just
4: I just remembered what I was going to say. And that's, there is this weird kind of um, horseshoe theory where some of these tradwives have the same view of men as Valerie Solanas.
2: Yeah, who who wasn't wrong in fairness? Hmm,
1: that's true. <laughs> um, yeah, it's that it's they imagine there is this eternal conflict, and the con- and we must, and we must hate each other because God put us on this earth to hate each other. All right, I think we're uh, we're getting we're getting pretty close to time here, folks. Um, so, uh, it only um it only remains for me to say, uh, Annie, thank you very much uh for calling in today.
2: Oh, thank you so much for having me on, guys. It's been really fun.
1: Indeed. Uh, Thank you all for listening. And like I said earlier, uh, you can definitely still come see us at the Edinburgh Fringe and Birmingham Transformed. Uh, Alice will be at Birmingham Transformed. And I believe Olga will be at the Edinburgh Fringe. Um, and also, we still have some t-shirts left, but not for anyone who's very small or anyone
5: who's very big. <laughs> no,
4: no, we have mediums and lodges. The incel cosmology
0: of men is just
5: <laughs> totally screwed out of our shirts. No
4: manlet shirts,
5: no hefty No
2: manlet shirts.
0: <laughs> We have pl- plenty of mediums and plenty of larges. We also have a decent number of double XLs, but XL and small are <laughs> low size. XS, we're completely out of. Yes. So, so small kings, I'm sorry. We don't have any shirts for you. Behind
4: the scenes, send me a medium because Milo sent me an XL and I've lost a ton of weight since then. So Okay. Thank uh, you. Why don't we bring it up to uh, Birmingham? Oh, okay, sure.
1: So, um, yeah. Thank you very much for listening. Buy a shirt. Come see us. Uh, And, of course, we have a Patreon. Five bucks a month uh, gets you all of this sweet little bonus content, the sweet, sweet little lumps of content that I know you all crave.
4: It's a fin dom. I I, I will call you a swine. Actually, we should put up a a tier where I can call you a swine or a hog
1: by name. Yeah, Alice fin doms you. That Hmm. could be a fun tier. Uh, Okay, all right, awesome. Um, Annie, do you have anything to plug before we're out?
2: Um... No, I don't think so. I'm, I'm, just I'm just in it for the discourse.
0: <laughs>
5: so,
0: we'll, we'll link your uh, your New York Times op-ed in the show notes, though, yeah. so at least oh, more, yeah. more people can read it and be like, wait a minute, yeah, she, more, she more, published something.
2: More people can read it and yell at me on Twitter. It's my favorite. thing. Yeah. <laughs> how about this?
1: If you if you're in it for the discourse, everybody, reply to Annie. Reply to her.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> just reply to her. Just tell her how your days go. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Send me whatever uh, and, dumb shit. I'll read it.
1: All right. Later, everyone. Bye.